Welcome into a special episode of the Get Around Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Queeley. Now, what makes this episode so special is that we have a two-on-one conversation with Dr. Murray Howe. Dr. Howe is, of course, the youngest son of NHL legend and Hall of Famer Gordie Howe. He is also the author of the new book, Nine Lessons I Learned from My Father, which is now available for purchase. Dr. Howe is going to be appearing as part of the National Writers Series here in Traverse City. Uh, His appearance is going to be 7 p.m. this coming Sunday, November 12th, at the City Opera House. So make sure you go and check that out. He's going to be uh, going over portions of the book and has a Q&A as well. So you're not going to want to miss that. He was generous enough with his time to speak with myself and James Cook uh, and provide some great insight into the process of writing the book um, and going over so much about his father and sharing some stories with us as well. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Dr. Murray Howe. All right, we are now happy to welcome in Dr. Murray Howe, the son of the legendary NHL player, Gordy Howe. Uh, Dr. Murray Howe, how, uh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. How are you guys? We're doing great. Again, thank great. you so much for taking some time out of your day. I'm sure you are a, uh, a very busy man. Oh, it's, yeah, it's my privilege and pleasure. Thank you. So we wanted to talk to you about your book, Nine Lessons I Learned from My Father, because you're going to be in Traverse City, I believe, on no, it's November 12th at 7 p.m. at the City Opera House. Is that correct? That is correct. Wonderful. Uh, so the, the process that you went through writing this book, I, I know that it began just hours after your father passed away and it was you were asked to write the eulogy. How did you expand from that into uh, what has become a, a wonderful book? Well, you know, the, uh, when my dad passed away in June of 2016, uh, a few days after that was Father's Day, and I woke up on Father's Day, and I was just, I was just crushed that I could not hug my dad and tell him how much he meant to me. And I always planned something really fun for him on Father's Day. I would take him out fishing or uh, golfing or whatever he wanted to do and just make a day of it. And the, the fact that I couldn't have him right there with me uh, it really just left me with an emptiness. I said, you know, what could I do for him? What could I give him? Uh, and I thought, well, you know, what would be better than just putting down on paper what he stood for and who he was as a man and as a father and really keep his spirit alive and just carry on his legacy of being an incredibly kind, amazing person. And uh, so that was the genesis, really, for the book. Uh, I imagine you got a lot of positive feedback from that. Was it the was it did the did the idea for the book spawn from the actual eulogy itself, or afterwards when you know when people gave you feedback on it? It it was in, it just in re, in just in putting together the eulogy, it just became clear to me that there was so many amazing things about my father that really would be wonderful to share with the with the world, and uh, so that just kind of started the wheels turning in terms of, um, you know, really thinking more about all the things that were different about him or that were amazing about him that, that other people could benefit from. And, uh, I would say, yes, the eulogy kind of was the springboard for that because it just, if you can know somebody and admire them a lot without just kind of taking the time to realize 
how unique and and and, and beautiful they are. And uh, the more I thought about them, the more I realized how much there was to underneath the surface that uh, that could be explored. And so that was that was the beginning. Now, I know the process of writing a book it can be emotional, no matter what the subject is. But with what you were dealing with and the death of your father, what was that emotional journey like? I mean, I'm sure there was sadness, but a lot of happiness, laughter, uh, contemplation, and things like that. Could you kind of, in your own words, take me through that emotional journey? And uh, I'm sure you were speaking with family members, friends uh, about your father as well. It was really, uh, it was, it, it was a catharsis for me. It was a way of dealing with my loss and keeping keeping my father going and i always felt that in writing this book it was my way of sharing him with the world but as this process has go has gone along i've realized that it was really <laughs> it's become the world sharing my father with me because everyone i talk to has a gordy house story if they ever met him they remember every detail and uh, just what a what a, a, an amazing experience it was for them, and it's just wonderful to be able to hear all of those stories and just imagine even further how how unique he was and how much he uh, uh, impacted all of those people. And so I just have loved hearing all of that and, and learning so many things about him that I never I never realized. I feel like I could write five more books about him just as I've gone along after my book was completed just because there's just so much there's just so much to him and so many wonderful stories and uh uh it was but it's it's just been a beautiful process and it continues as I do appearances uh and people as people read the book and they contact me and say I have to tell you this about your dad that you you know you never knew and that type of thing, and it's it's just it's it's been phenomenal. Just kind of keep his spirit going that way. I was going to ask something about uh, to, ask, to tell a story about the book, but uh, I guess I'll, I'll have people get the book and figure that out for themselves. What was one of those things that you had to leave out of the book that maybe didn't fit um, in there? That uh, was one of those stories that you maybe kind of wanted to, to put in there, but it just didn't fit. Wow. Well. You know, I, I had to, the book, I had to whittle it down to 230 or 240 pages. So there was a lot that I had to leave out. There was so many precious stories to me that I just, that I just couldn't tell. One of the most special ones to me that I just didn't have room for, we did a, uh, a fishing trip uh, in 2011 where we, uh, I took my son Gordy as well as my father Gordy and we went up to northern Saskatchewan to a place called Twin Falls Lodge and uh, it's in the middle of nowhere on the Churchill, Churchill, Churchill River and you pretty much have to take a float, couple, uh, couple float planes to get into it and uh, we were there, we had a great time fishing, walleye fishing for about three days and and uh, during the time we were there, we were on an island, and I said, Dad, let's go take a hike on the island. We'll, we'll hike out to see the Twin Falls, because it's supposed to be a beautiful hike. And so we did that. And on the way back on the hike, uh, my dad didn't notice that the trail just kind of uh, fell away to nothing, and it was all covered by ferns. So he stepped in a place where it was just air. And so he ended up falling down this cliff about uh, 20 feet 
at about an 80 degree angle. And if he'd gone another 10 feet, he would have crashed on some rocks at the bottom and then rolled into the into the river, and that would have been the end. How but old? fortunately, there was a couple. How old was oh, this he? This when he was 80. Oh. This is when he was 80. He survived 86. a 20 foot fall when he was 80, 86. Yes. Yeah. Man, you're. Yeah, fun. it was. It he was, is a bad man. I mean, in a good way, he's a bad man. He, like that is. He was. He is tough. It was unbelievable, and he cracked. He the, the only thing that saved him was there was two uh, birch trees that were perfectly parallel, and they caught him and cushioned him like a hockey net. <laughs> and because he's so good at falling, he was able to roll. So it wasn't a straight drop, but it was about an 80-degree angle. I mean, it was like a double black diamond you know, run. So he crashed against those, he crashed against those trees. He uh, had protected his head, so he didn't hit his head, but his arms, he had pretty much had those up to protect his head. So he, all the skin on his arms just got shredded off by the time he'd hit the bottom. So I kind of made my way down to where he was, assessed his injuries, didn't injure his neck or anything like that, uh, but he was just bleeding profusely because he's, he was on blood thinners at the time, so I tore my shirt off and was was uh, wrapping wrapping his arms up, his bloody arms up, and then we had to figure out how to get back up this hill. So that was because we couldn't go down because that was basically water and there was nowhere to get out, so we would have had to swim for a half mile to get back to shore where we could get up, so that wasn't going to happen. So we had to climb back up this hill to, by grabbing roots, and I just kept pushing his fanny to get him back up the hill. It took us about a half hour to get up, but we were able to do it. And uh, we finally make our way back to the lodge about another hour hour hike back. And uh, at the lodge, everybody just gathers around. They can't be, you know, Gordy Howe's injured and blah, blah, blah. We, we went through the whole medical kit to, to re-bandage his injuries. He looked like a mummy. But um, everyone, well, one of the one of the, the old oldsters there said, "Wow, this might be the only time in my life that I could take Gordy Howe." Uh, and uh, and my dad just looks at him, and he grabs him in a headlock, and just like almost bends him in two, and everybody just roared. It was like, "Wow!" My dad was just uh, juiced up by the whole event and the injury, and everybody kind of crowding around. And uh, so, anyway, you could just see from that, you know, he he didn't lose his sense of humor. He didn't. He wasn't complaining about his injuries at all. They were still kind of oozing. And the following morning, we wake up, and and I said, Dad, you know, I I, I know you're still you know, kind of bleeding, and uh, you know, if you don't want to go fishing, that's perfectly fine. And he said, Well, I'm going to be down at the boat, and and uh, I'll meet you there, or I'm going by myself. <laughs> so so we go fishing. But here's where. Here's here's the part that really moved me. We fished for a couple hours in the morning, and then the the fishing guide was a, a First Nation uh, Cree uh, tribe uh, uh, member, and he said, "Gordy, I, I hate to impose, but I have to tell you that our entire tribe just just worships you. You are you are our hero, and I know that so many people on the on the tribe would would uh, would love to meet you uh, at Stanley Mission, which is their 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 kind of headquarters there, and." Uh, and my dad just put down his fishing pole and he said, "Well, let's go." 
<laughs> so he just sacrificed the fishing for the day. And he said, "Let's." And we we took the boat over to Stanley Mission, and we met the most of the people from the tribe there. And he spent the whole afternoon just signing autographs and and posing for pictures. And that was his focus was just to it. His needs didn't matter. It was what it was what everybody else uh, you know uh, wanted was was most important to him. That's a, an incredible story, and I'm you know, so happy that you were able to share it with us. Uh, you can kind of laugh and joke about it now, but how terrified were you when your father fell down uh, that, that those, those 20 feet? When you're, when you're a physician, you learn to not panic. You learn to assess the situation and, and make, you know, make, a, make a plan. Um, and so I, my first thought was, let's, let's, let's make sure he's alive. And he opened his eyes, and so I was thrilled about that. Then assesses, you know, neurologic status, is his neck, you know, okay, and all that. So once, once I assessed there was no life-threatening injury, I was absolutely thrilled. I still couldn't tell whether he had broken a rib or uh, even punctured a lung, so I knew that was going to take a little bit of time to figure out. But I, I figured at least, wow, we're really fortunate that, you know, that, that he hit these two trees. And uh, then, again, I, I really didn't think we were going to make it back up the hill and uh so i felt like god had a bit of a hand in getting us back back up there and at that point i was just i was so thankful that we were able to get him you know get him uh get him up onto level ground and then my next thought was oh my brothers are going to kill me <laughs> because they they uh they adore my father and uh and uh you know they would have said well why did you have him out on that that hike to begin with it's too dangerous out there but it just didn't seem as dangerous as it was, but uh, in the end, I just was really thankful that uh, that uh, you know he was he was okay, and he's the kind of man who you know he he he'd never hold a grudge or say you know why are you doing this to me or whatever. He he was very thankful at at the end of that day that we had you know were able to have done all the exciting things that we did. Well, that's certainly a. a... One way to bond with your father, I would say, and uh, you just spoke about your two brothers, and I kind of wanted to ask you about them. Did you have a different relationship with your father and then your two brothers, considering the different paths that uh, the three of you took? You, you know, you know, I, I, I did. Um, the it was interesting because my brothers, they, they were more like teammates, you know, really with him. So they bonded with him in that way, and also um, they were they were much more his size. I mean, I'm five, six and 140 pounds and kind of a lightweight. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're pushing, you know, two two ten, and, you know, Marty's six foot one and they're, they're big boys. So we related to my dad in a different way. He, he really knew that, uh, I was not going to be, uh, you know, super competitive in most, in most sports. Uh, but I had, I, I adopted my father's sense of humor um, and his and his joie de vivre, which was really um, uh, most important to him in the end. He he didn't make too much of his hockey accomplishments. He was more about um, just enjoying each day and and uh, reaching out to other people. So we had that in common. The uh, I want to get back to the book here real quick. Uh, chapter eight. It's the lesson is staying positive. And as someone myself who has you know, kind of at, at certain points struggled with doing that, and I'm sure everybody else out there has also struggled with that. Did you find that that was one of the more rewarding parts of the book to write or one of the more challenging things for the lesson for you to continue to 
um, kind of implement on a day-to-day basis? I found really writing each section um, was just a pure joy, you know, labor of love, if you will, because there were so many wonderful qualities that he had, and and uh, certainly being positive was 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 one of them. Um, but I was just as uh, excited to speak about his toughness and about his humility and his patience because they were all. He, he he took each of those traits and just went over the top with them. So he was the most humble man I've ever met, the most patient man, um, certainly one of the most positive I'd ever met. So it, it met. So it it, uh, it was it was easy really for me to to put together each of the chapters because of how uh, superlative he was, and it was so much fun to write about him and share how unique he was in that way. Uh, talk a little bit about the photos that you used for the uh, the, the front and back covers of the, uh, of the of the book. They 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 bring back two wonderful memories. So the one on the front cover that was from 1970. I was 10 years old, and that was a charity game at Olympia Stadium, where uh, for the March of Dimes this was a charity, and my mom had actually planned the whole event. Uh, 15,000 people in the crowd, and it was the Detroit Red Wings versus the the Detroit Junior Wings. My my brothers were 15 and 16 at the time, playing on the Junior Wings, and my dad was traded to the Junior Wings for the game, and then my uncle Vern also played. So we had five Howes all all playing together, and you can imagine what a thrill that was for a 10 year old to be there playing alongside my dad and my brothers and. Obviously, I was out of my league and out of my element, um, but they had the the whole thing rigged so that I was I was to score the the uh, the winning goal in the closing seconds of the game, and the crowd just roared. They just thought that was the best thing ever, and it was really one of the highlights of my of my life was to be out there on the ice and even just sitting on the bench there with my dad, and he'd be pointing out, you know, next shift go out, you know, go go in that position and I'll get the puck over to you and, and, uh, and just kind of instructing me on what was happening on the ice at each moment, like watch that player, watch that player. And, and, uh, it was, it was a phenomenal memory. Um, and the, the, the photo on the back is one of the rare photos where it's just my parents and I. That was really unusual as the baby of the family. There was almost always all my other siblings in the picture, um, or it'd be just me and my father or me and my mother. But for to, to have the three of us together was really unusual. Um, and it was taken, believe it or not, up at Jimmy Hoffa's uh, cabin. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa, yeah, Jimmy Hoffa was actually a... Um, a big Gordie Howe fan, and his uh, 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 sort of adopted son, Chucky O'Brien, was also a huge uh, Gordie Howe fan, and he and his wife had taken my family up to visit this cabin. And I remember the day specifically because I always loved really soft, furry things, and on the wall in the cabin was a, was a, a raccoon pelt, and I was just feeling it. I was only five years old at the time, and, and Chucky O'Brien said, oh, you like that? I said, yes. And he said, well, it's yours, and he took it down off the wall. So for many years, I had Jimmy Hoffa's uh, raccoon pelt <laughs> in my toy box. And, uh, but uh, but uh, it was really fun being up there with my parents, kind of just experiencing this beautiful place. This was before we ever had a, a cabin of our own, and, 
And uh, if you look at that picture closely, you'll notice my dad isn't really kind of holding, uh, you know, onto me gently. He's actually shoving me down with his hand and putting, trying to put me off balance. And, I'm, and I've got my arms behind me trying to hold on to his legs so I don't fall over. Because that's how he was. He was such a prankster that, you know, he'd stick his finger in your ear or he'd grab your back of your pants and put you off balance. Or, you know, he'd do anything just to get a rise out of you. And that's, you know, he just made it fun. Well, Dr. Howe, I want to thank you again. Before uh, we let you go, I just wanted to ask one final question. Uh, how does it feel to be a part of the National Writers Series uh, coming up, up uh, in the next week here? I am so honored and so excited um, to do it. I, 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 I hope we get a packed house there because I think anybody that goes there, I think that they're absolutely going to come away uh, as a different person. I think that they're going to love everything that they see you know, and hear. I think it's going to really move them. Uh, we're going to be showing a, 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 a rare video that's never been seen in the United States um, about my dad at the very beginning, and then I'll be doing some readings in a, in a, in a Q&A session. And uh, so I am really, really excited about it. I, and uh, I, I think anybody that goes will be, will be uh, really thrilled that they did. Well, again, that's uh, an evening with Dr. Murray Howe that is set for 7 p.m. on November 12th at the City Opera House here in Traverse City. Dr. Howe, again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with us. My pleasure, uh, James and Brandon. I, uh, Brandon, I really, really appreciate it. All right, have a good one. Thank you thank again. You. Great. Thanks. Take care, guys. Bye. Once again, we want to thank Dr. Murray Howe for taking the time to talk to us. Dr. Howe, again, is going to be appearing as part of the National Writers Series this coming Sunday, November 12th at 7 p.m. at the City Opera House, where he will be discussing his book, Nine Lessons I Learned from My Father. Now, if that conversation right there was any indicator, I'm sure that's going to be a, a great night and certainly worth your time, so make sure you get out there and, and check that out. Um, thank you so much for listening to this special episode of the Get Around Podcast. As always, I am your host, Brendan Queeley, and please enjoy the rest of the week. <laughs>